The following broadcast is a live production of i3G Media. We welcome you to another edition of Super Sports Saturday here on KDAK, KOVC, KDAK, and ESPN Jamestown. Here comes Devin Hoffman. Is Brister in the goal? Devin Hoffman on a great pass from Tommy Falk. Throws it forward. Joe Hurlbert rises up and throws down the hammer. Flexes on the defense as well. <laughs> oh. Jordan sets up, taking a deep ball shot to Williams, and he leaps up and makes the catch. Touchdown. Goes it out. Here's Nelson for the steal. He's all alone. He's going for the slam. Seth Nelson, the steal and the slam. And Yackley swings and drives one to right center field. Back to the track, to the wall, and it's gone. Each Saturday morning from 11 a.m. to 12.30, our host Paul McDonald breaks down the latest in North Dakota sports. We send it live to the host of Super Sports Saturday. Here's Paul McDonald. And welcome to Super Sports Saturday. And my home for the next, oh, five hours or so, maybe even go six hours. We are high atop Shelley Ellick Field, Lockin Stadium, in the Dave O'Bannon Press Box for today's live edition of Super Sports Saturday. Glad you could be with us here on this absolutely gorgeous day. Temperatures right now in the mid to upper 40s. Lots of sunshine and possibly some rain coming in later on in the day. But right now, just a, a great start to this Saturday. It's homecoming Saturday for Valley City State University, and that is why we are here at Shelley Ellick Field and Lockin Stadium. There's lots going on today. During this program, during today's Super Sports Saturday 2, we're going to talk more about that uh, tailgate party that's going out with Dakota Silver here in Valley City as they are celebrating new ownership and having a tailgate party beginning at noon today. So we'll talk more about that here during Super Sports Saturday. Glad you could be with us on this final weekend in September and our first full weekend of fall. Let's get right to the football scoreboard to kick things off here on Super Sports Saturday and a busy Friday night. Let's take a look at what went on last night. Beulah, number two ranked team in double A. They defeated Hayes in 26-21. Bishop Bryan over Nidros 41-0. Bismarck Century 43-13 winners over Minot Legacy. Big over Bismarck High 30-14. Bismarck St. Mary's in double A defeated uh, Belcourt 44-20, uh, 44-12. Wellman County over Hart River 51-6. Carrington Picks up their second win in a row, 42-8 over Botno. We'll hear from Coach Kyle Smith a little bit later on here in the program. Devils Lake over Central Cass, 37-7. It was Fargo-Davies, 32, Fargo-South, 7. Shanley over North, 24-7. Finley-Sharon-Hope-Page stays unbeaten. They defeated lamore Litchell marion 30-18. Red River over Central in the Cushman Field Classic, 41-0 in that game. It was... Uh, Hat North with defeating Fargo Grove, 42-14. Hillsborough Central Valley, number one team in AA. They blanked Wapaton, 54-0. Number one team in A, Langdon Edmore Munich. They stay undefeated as they defeat West Hope Newburgh Glenburn, 48-6. Linton HMB over Beach, 28-8. And a dandy in Oaks yesterday, Lisbon over Oaks in the Battle of Unbeatens, 48-38. Oaks was number two in Class A. And Lisbon was receiving votes. We're going to hear from both Greg Dobitz and from Joe Gerding coming up later on in the program. Endel and Maple Valley over Wymere Lidgewood, 22-0. Milner North Sargent, they were 2015 winners over Ellendale Edgley Cullum. New Rockford Cheyenne, number one team in Nyman. They were winners big over Lakota Adams-Edmore, Dakota Prairie, 64-26. to 
West Fargo. Uh, Cheyenne over West Fargo, 21-6. Thompson over Northern Cass, 40-20. Tri-State defeated Hankinson, 38-8. Valley City, winners over Kindred, 13-0. More on that coming up in just a few minutes. Of course, Watford City, they got the bye last night and the forfeit against Stanley. And Williston defeated Jamestown by final of 27-21. And we'll be hearing also from Coach Bill Nelson of the Jamestown Blue Jays later on in the program. So that's a look at the scoreboard and what went on last night in high school football. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll kind of break down some of those games that, that happened last evening. That and more as Super Sports Saturday rolls on on this Saturday afternoon from Shell Lake Field and Lockin Stadium in Valley City. The biggest adventures start with the biggest dreams, and you can make them come true with the 2019 Honda Pioneer 1000. It's a Sports A 999cc engine, a six-speed automatic dual-clutch transmission, and an impressive 2,000-pound towing capacity, which means you can do it all, hunting, fishing, trail riding, and more. Just head to Gun and Reel Sports on First Street West Jamestown and check out the Honda Pioneer 1000 today. For your safety, read the owner's manual, wear a helmet and eye protection, always wear your seatbelts and keep the side nets and doors closed. Pioneers are for drivers 16 years and older. Hey Viking fans, it's homecoming week and the American Legion in Valley City is your homecoming headquarters. The American Legion with the world's greatest happy hour and outstanding service. You're guaranteed to have a blast this homecoming week. Welcome former and current Vikings. Stop into the American Legion in Valley City for an ice-cold refreshment or the good stuff to get your blood pumping with Viking pride. The American Legion in Valley City, your Viking homecoming headquarters. Bob McDonald back with you here at Shelley Lake Field, Lockin Stadium on the campus of Valley City State University, where we are broadcasting Super Sports Saturday live here today. And uh, just a quick programming note, too, for those of you carrying Twins baseball later on, the Twins, that game has been bumped up. Again, it was supposed to be a 6-10 first pitch game tonight. That game has now been moved up to 115. It'll be 115 this afternoon that the Twins will take on the Kansas City Royals. Of course, last night's game was called in the bottom of the seventh inning with the Twins ahead and winning 6-2. to two. And there is uh, pending threatening weather and some severe weather that is supposed to be coming through Kansas City tonight. So they move that to a day game today, 1-15 first pitch with the Twins and the Kansas City Royals. Well, of course, we'll be having uh, Viking football here on AM 1490 KOVC. The Jimmies... Uh, also coming up, they're taking on Northwestern this afternoon. That'll be on ESPN Jamestown. Well, let's take a look at what happened with some of our local teams last night in football. We'll start off with the Valley City Highliners. Of course, the Highliners coming in 2-2 two and two on the year, and they took on Kindred. They're on the road taking on the Kindred Vikings for the first three, really three and a half quarters. This game was what uh, Coach Rorick and some people would call, well, Coach Rorick loved it, but other people would call it an ugly football game because it was very good defenses. There were no points, not a lot of yardage for either team, and no scoring threats. Matter of fact, both teams uh, got in the uh, turnover factory kind of early in the uh, third quarter as Valley City, as first it was Kindred that was driving, and Valley City came up with the first turnover of the game. Ogren standing next to his quarterback. Olsen back to pass. 
Olson throwing deep over the middle. Ball tipped and intercepted at the 45-40. Payton's on to the 40, 35-30. And Payton's on, tipped it, and then he tipped it to himself. Comes up with the interception, and the Highliners get the first break of the game inside the 25-yard line. But then after a penalty, and then the first to play from scrimmage after that interception, the Highliners gave it right back. Fair play action. Suffolk looking to throw, looking for Benefeld. Now he's going to have to tuck, looking, looking, still looking. And then he fumbled the football. He went to throw it. He tried to tuck it. He was sacked, fumbled the football, and the Vikings will have the recovery. But the Vikings couldn't do anything with that either, and we headed into the fourth quarter, still scoreless at 0-0. And it was the Highliners that, that would break on the scoreboard first. And with 5.41 to go in the third, fourth quarter with uh, a 35-yard drive that took eight plays, it was Braden Hansen that finished it off. Hansen and Taylor are in front of Fair on the first and goal from the one. Suffolk under center. Turns, gives, Hansen in for the touchdown! Braden Hansen, the senior, takes it off left side and pops it in for a yard. And it is a Valley City touchdown. And now the conversion pending with 5.41 to go in the fourth quarter. Valley City leading it 6 to nothing. Austin Thornton would add that extra point to make it a 7 nothing game. Well, then after a three and out for, Valley, for Kindred, Valley City would march 53 yards on five plays. And Max Fair would take it the final 15. Again with that power eye formation for the Highliners at the 15. Gives off the fair. Bounces to the outside. Fair to the 10. Fair to the 5. Fair to the end zone. Touchdown, Valley City. Max Fair bounced it to the outside. Takes it in 15 yards. A Dairy Queen first down. And a Highliner touchdown for Max Fair. And with 3.04 to go here in the fourth quarter, Highliners leading it 13 to nothing. They would not get the extra point as it would be wide left, and it stayed 13-0, and that's the way the game would close out. Now, the game also saw 21 penalties in the ballgame. Defensively, Valley City held Kendra to just 46 rushing yards and 26, uh, 20 passing yards and four first downs. Fair had 159 yards rushing on 29 carries and a touchdown. Defensively, Colby Bruner and Peyton Zahn had the picks, and Derek Deagle had a sack. Well, Bruner's interception, that came later in the game, and sealed the deal with about 2.47 left to go. For Caden Olsen, now he sends Broughton in motion. Olsen back to throw, throwing deep, going far side, and it is intercepted at the 30 to the 25, to the 20, to the 15, the 10. Colby Bruner with the interception, and the Highliners with their seventh, second pick of the night. And that would seal it, and Valley City would win it by that final of 13 to nothing to go 3-2 and two on the season in the conference opener. And they're 1-0 in the East region. And for the Viking, or the Highliners up next, their homecoming coming up next Friday night. They'll take on Wapiton at Hannah Field. For Kindred, they fall to 4-1 and 0-1 in the East region. They'll travel to Central Cass next week. After the game, I had a chance to uh, chat with the head coach, Scott Rorick. A lot of uh, great things out of this one, Coach. And like we said, this is kind of like a fist fight. These uh, these two teams, the defenses, what a defensive battle this was tonight. Well, there's no doubt. Some people call it ugly football, but I think it's beautiful. Um, you know, it's tough to watch offenses go up and down the field scoring all the time. And um, I think we had a really good game plan. Our kids executed really well. And I think we really thought that 
excuse me, I didn't catch my breath. Yeah, I should have given you another minute. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, I was I had a lot of confidence if we kept pounding the ball. That you know, sometimes that eventually catches up with teams. Sometimes in the second half, and it, and it did. And I think our guys got a little taste, got a little hungrier. And uh, just proud of the way they finished. Well, the uh, the line of scrimmage, obviously, they say games are won and lost of line of scrimmage, and especially the defensive line. They're getting penetration. They were, were were getting in the backfield. They were stopping guys and just hustling around the football too. Well, we um, we got a, a very veteran group out there, and we got a couple guys that I didn't do much tonight, to be honest with you. Uh, I think we had a good game plan in. The kids knew. Um, some of the tendencies that we had to, to deal with, um, they got us lined up and they played football from there. So a lot of, a lot of credit goes to those kids. Now, of course, I've got to, you know, I'm media, so I got to be naughty. But uh, penalties did hurt, uh, it, it, especially in the first half. In key situations, you guys uh, had some some tough penalties. We did. Um, obviously, we're going to have to clean some things up. There's no question about it because it, it was tough for us, you know, as coaches because we can only do so much. You can talk to kids and. Um, you know, you don't have the yellow flag in your hand either, you know, and I know officials have a tough job to do to begin with. So uh, we'll have to go back and look at the film and try to see where we can clean some of that stuff up. How big is it, Coach, just to get a win now? you got home coming up next week. You haven't been home for a month, literally. <laughs> you haven't been home for a yeah. month, uh, three, uh, three weeks, uh, just to get this W heading into next week. Well, I think it was more uh, something for, you know, we needed to – we needed to uh, – um, I don't know, get that, go run through that adversity, I think, you know, and, and see how tough we really are, how resilient are we. And because we talked about after the end of the game, don't you ever, 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 ever quit or give up on yourself or your team. You quit making excuses. You get on to the next football play. Uh, the game of football is a great teacher of life. You know, there's a lot of things that sometimes you don't agree with, but I can't always do anything about it, so let's just hunker down and, and let's fight through it together. And it really, that's what they did, because like we were talking about the, the, the penalties. They still, they fought through it, and both touchdown drives, no penalties, clean football, and got uh, some points. You know, and that's the thing we preached at halftime. Let's just take a breath, get our composure back. They saw the fact that, you know, the penalties were killing us. We're killing ourselves here. Um, guys, let's just let's rally around and let's let's do clean things up and let's just do our job. All right, well, coach, congratulations on the win. Now we look forward to the Wapiton Huskies coming to Hannah Field next week. It'll be good to get home again. It will be. Thank you, Paul. That is Coach uh, Scott Rorick from the uh, Valley City Highlanders again, winning last night, thirteen nothing over Kindred Valley City, Hillsborough, and Devils Lake, tied for first in the east half of Double A with Kindred, Central Cass, and Wapiton at zero and one. Beulah, Bismarck, St. Mary's, Watford City, all one and zero. And then uh, Turtle Mountain, Hazen, and Stanley 0-1 in the western half of AA. Now in uh, AAA football, Jamestown, they headed out west. They were in Williston to take on the Coyotes last night. And junior wide receiver Jacob Hilligan, uh, Hilgeman, he accounted for all three touchdowns Friday night. But it wasn't quite enough as the Jays lost at Legends Field 27-21. To start things off, a five-yard touchdown run by Williston senior quarterback Charles Whitlock with three minutes and 32 seconds remaining in the final quarter. That lifted the Oats up to a 27-21 victory in uh, the West region. It was a West region opener for both teams. Well, Hilgeman, his first touchdown came when he got an interception, ran it back 73 yards for the score midway through that first quarter to make it 7-0 at Jamestown. It also add a 54-yard touchdown run and an 18-yard touchdown reception. Well, Jamestown uh, had uh, no answer, though, for junior J.J. Williams for Williston. 
as he had touchdowns of 37 and 62 yards and also a four-yard TD pass in the game. And after earlier this morning, as a matter of fact, I had a chance to he- talk with head coach Bill Nelson of the Blue Jays. We are talking with head coach Bill Nelson from the Jamestown Blue Jays. Uh, they were out west last night taking on the Willison Coyotes and uh, falling by a final of 27 to uh, 21. And uh, uh, coach, uh, a lot of things we can talk about here on the game uh, last evening against the Coyotes. But uh, number one, uh, it, it, a, a close game, just a typical WDA hard-fought football game. Yeah, it was a slugfest. You know, they swings were taken, you know, each each team was taking swings at each other back and forth first quarter, and we ended up getting points on the board first, and then they counter-punched, and then we we countered, and then they countered, and we had a tie ball game, and 14-14 you know, and a half, and we ended up getting one there in the, the third quarter and did some good things moving the ball, and then we, we ended up, you know, we ended up getting turnovers. We, we got four, I think four turnovers for sure, maybe five, four for sure. Um, and we, we turned the ball over, so we took care of the ball from that standpoint. But we just we had trouble to win on those turnovers. We had trouble doing much with it, you know. And there was a combination of things. It's not any one problem. Um, kids are playing hard, and they're working their tails off. And you know, and Wilson kids are playing hard too. And it's it's the WDA. Every week is you're going to get a, a slugfest. You're not going to nothing's easy. Um, we know that, you know. So it's it is what it is. You just you just got to keep your head up and keep working and keep fighting and keep on and you know it, it's just the way it is. Well, it, it seemed like uh, coach last night big plays kind of with the uh, backbreaker for you guys. Uh, Willison Junior. JJ Williams had a couple of uh, big plays for him. Yeah, I mean, good shifty little running back, and and we didn't help the cause with some missed tackles and some, some different things on our part and. Um, like I said, he's he's a good player, and but like I said, we we didn't help the cause on a few things, but it's got to step up and make plays. You're going to win football games. Somebody's got to step up and make plays, and you know, and that's we we thought we I don't say we had the game in control. We were we were controlling things, and a couple things didn't go our way that you and I talked about off off the air. And it, it is what it is. You got to make a play. You got to get it done. You know. And there's only so many opportunities, you know, on a Friday night, and when those opportunities are there, you gotta you gotta jump on them. You can't just expect, you know, things to happen for you. Well, one, uh, of course, obviously, you need to have uh, 22 guys uh, all making plays, or at least, uh, you know, obviously they're out there working. But one guy that did make some plays uh, again, uh, uh, Hilgeman comes up. I think he scored all three touchdowns in three different ways: an interception, a run, and a pass. What what makes his kid's engine run? He just he just continues to. I don't want to say he's a gamer because he works hard all week too, but he's just continued to step up and it's got a pick six, broke two tackles, had some leading blockers and or had some blockers and, and that 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 jump started us offensively and then he ends up in you know, a jet sweep and then Jacob's deceptively fast. If you put him on the clock, he's probably not the fastest kid on the team, but he his game speed is faster than you know what I mean than his clock speed would be. Um, you know, and then we ended up in a, in a touchdown later on, and <clears throat> had some other opportunities where you know he gets open and we we had trouble getting him the ball. And but he's he's just it's it's been a very he's had a very nice evolution, you know. And obviously since you know when Jeremy went down in, in the first game, and he's been kind of our go-to receiver on things, and um, it's working hard and being positive and helping the other guys get better. So that's it's been real positive. 
Well, now after uh, last night, now we have uh, Homecoming Week coming up, and I believe Minot coming to town to Ernie Gates uh, for Homecoming next Friday night. And uh, just just back at it on uh, on Monday, right, Coach? Forget about what happened Friday night and get back at it on uh, on Monday. Yes, sir. And we'll uh, we'll take a look at film here today and go over our stuff and get reviewed for Minot. And it's it's Homecoming, Paul. You know how it, it, anything can happen on Homecoming. You go out and get eleven guys doing their job on both sides of the ball. You know, and, and I don't I don't care about wins and losses, but stay together, work your hinds end, hind ends up, give extreme effort, and have a great attitude, and let the chips fall where they may. You know, and that that's all we ask for. And it's some things were out of our control last night, and it's you got to make plays. You know, we we had some things taken away from us, and we'll just leave it at that. But it is what it is. You you, you know, we we can only control what we can control, and that's. So we'll get back to work, and that's the only way to know how to do things, and it's going to be another battle. But you know what, Paul? Who doesn't want battles? If you don't like battles, you probably don't like playing high school football, right? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, you got Minot coming in. I know Jamestown and Minot have uh, just love each other to death in, uh, in every sport, so it should be a good one here Friday night at Ernie Gates Field. Oh, it is. It's uh, Coach Holman's got a – he's always got a real good squad. Um, it'll be uh, – It'll be a slugfest. I, I kind of overkill that slugfest word. I, but that's, I don't know, maybe I'm short on sleep a couple hours or whatever. So, <laughs> But it'll be fun. It, it, when you have homecoming and we have our Hall of Fame deductions, there's a lot of things surrounding that and a lot of festivities. And obviously it's things kind of culminate on Friday night. So it's uh, it's going to be a fun one. All right. Well, Coach, I appreciate you joining us this morning. And uh, good luck here with the magicians here next Friday night. All right, thanks, Paul. Have a great day. You too. That was Coach Bill Nelson of the Jamestown Blue Jays here earlier this morning. And looking at AAA in the West, Bismarck is the lone undefeated at 3-0. and The Mandan, Legacy, and Bismarck High all next at 2-1. and Minot, Willison, and Jamestown 1-2, and two, and Dickinson at 0-3. Out East, it is West Fargo, Cheyenne, and Davies at 3-0. and Shanley and West Fargo 2-1, and one, then South, Red River at 1-2. Fargo North and Grand Fork Central 0 oh, and three in the east. Now we'll go down to a double A, and you talk about uh, you know slugfests and the cliches and the metaphors, but uh, the heavyweight battles, if you will. Well, last night Lisbon and Oaks went toe to toe in Oaks. Both teams coming in undefeated at four and zero. Oaks was number two ranked in Class A. Well, this was uh, a game where they exchanged touchdowns almost all night long. Eighty six points were scored between the two teams. Lisbon won it by a final of 48-38. to 38. And uh, the uh, Broncos improved to 5-0 and on the year. The Broncos added 420 yards on the ground. And uh, under Schultz, uh, and, or, pardon me, uh, Jordan Sowers uh, rushed for 231 of those yards and four touchdowns. And he is now already over 1,000 yards through five games with 15 touchdowns this year. Hunter Schultz, he's had 624 yards rushing. Already this season with nine touchdowns in five games. Well, afterwards, Eric Johnson, he had a chance to talk with the head coach of the victorious Broncos, Joe Gerding. Well, we are post-game in Oaks, North Dakota, and the Lisbon Broncos off to another hot start. Five and oh, getting the victory tonight, but much closer. A tremendous football game. I've had a chance now to grab the uh, coach, uh, Coach Gerding, and I guess, what do you say after tonight's performance besides, hey, you guys are a good football team? Yeah, I know. I told the kids, you know, let's have fun. Let's celebrate this one 24 hours tonight. And, you know, after the game, I told them that, hey, you know, we we did a lot of things right tonight, but we got some 
things we got to improve, and I think tonight we proved that we're a pretty good football team. Well, the final score, 48-38, to but this was basically a deadlock game for most of the game. You finally started to eke away at the very end. I kind of wanted to start with the first moment because in the four games that you've played this year, you've always jumped out to the early lead. This is the first time that you guys were down by a touchdown early on, but your first possession, you guys marched right down the field, no problem. Yeah, we, we knew they were going to be an explosive offense, and you know it kind of took us almost the entire first quarter, all of the first quarter after giving up 26, to you know kind of get a couple of things figured out that we had to up front. We had to kind of tweak some things and make some adjustments, but our kids did a very good job with that. I want to talk to you about the chess match of this game because it really was. I mean, later in this second half, the, the each snap seemed to take forever to get going because it seemed like both sidelines were continually making adjustments before the snap of the football. Is that basically what was going on? Yeah, you know, they were they were kind of waiting for us to line up and see what we were going to line up in, and they'd call their offense to that, so then we would try to adjust as well defensively and just try to give them a little bit different look so it wasn't the same every single time. Well, you definitely have a lot of heroes in this game. It's not just a couple of particular players, but again, I think you still got to give the start of the game to your, to your offensive line when you really needed it. Again, those guys were creating gaping holes for your running backs. Yeah, we talked to them at halftime, and we, we we challenged that group of five kids. You know, we said, hey, it's your job. We're, we're, we're going behind you guys. We're going to win this game running the football, and we challenged them, and, you know, they rose to that challenge. Well, I would say, though, initially in the third quarter, Oaks did a pretty good job of initially stopping your running attack, but then your quarterbacks all of a sudden started throwing the football, and Sowers throws a couple of really nice balls down the field, and all of a sudden Oaks looked, and they're like, oh, they can pass. We better back off. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, hitting a couple of those big passes downfield, you know, even when it was Jordan Sowers, not just Hunter, Hunter Schultz throwing the ball, that kind of really loosened them up and got their secondary to, and their linebackers to kind of slow down a little bit. So when you look at this game as a whole, I guess maybe the one criticism, and I know you're going to talk to your guys about it, but kickoffs tonight, I'm not sure exactly what was going on, but the first couple of kickoffs in the first half, you gave up one for big yardage on, I think, the first drive for Oaks. The other one went for a touchdown. What was it about that sideline? Both times their return man went to the right, and it was just clear sailing down the line. We haven't seen that all year from your special teams. Yeah, you know, I mean, credit them. They did a good job scheming that. But, uh, you know, our kids, we were going to go back and we're going to look at film, and they, they know we're not happy with that, and they're not happy with that either. And, you know, it just kind of – I mean, just kind of some breakdowns and kids not doing their job, which, you know, we preach all the time. And we told them after the game, and we, we said if in a big game like this, special teams are important, so we got to take care of that. Talk about your defense. Oaks must have a pretty decent uh, offensive line because we don't normally – we usually see you guys getting a lot of pressure in the quarterback. We saw that late in the fourth quarter, but for the most part, you're, you guys had your front four going. You got some pressure on, but the Oaks offensive line must have gave you guys a pretty good test. Yeah, you know, they have a pretty good offensive line, but also you can kind of credit that Garrett Meal for that too, or I believe that's his first name. But, uh, you know, he, he does a great job moving in the pocket and kind of buying himself a little bit of time, and he, he doesn't panic at all. He's a very calm, under-pressure kid back there, and, I mean, he kind of buys a lot of time too, but they do have a very good line. So do you think uh, the rest of the region now is going to look at Lisbon a little bit differently after tonight? Because I heard from plenty of folks coming down here to the Oaks area, The well, I don't think they've played anybody yet. Well, they played somebody now, and you guys took care of business. We, we maybe turned some heads tonight, but uh, you know now, now, now teams, we're not going to be able to sneak up on anybody. I don't know if we have been lately, but we're not going to be able to do that, and you know, hopefully we start getting a little bit of respect. Rasmussen got dinged up towards the sideline here. Everything okay? Yep, just the wind. Very good. Thanks, Coach. Yep, thank you. That's Eric Johnson with Joe Gerding, the head coach of the Lisbon Broncos, who improved to 5-0 and on the season. Well, let's go to the other side. Uh, the other sidelines, as A. Sauerwein from the uh, Oaks uh, Tornadoes from KD, uh, KDDR, 
He chatted with head coach Greg Dobitz following the loss. We're now joined by head coach Greg Dobitz as he makes his way up here. Coach, a much easier way to end this game than week one, I would say, huh? Yeah. Uh, I'm proud of our kids. Great effort this last two weeks of just getting better. So um, our offensive line played now, my apologies. That is uh, the wrong one. We'll get that Greg Dobitz uh, interview. We'll get the right one for you here uh, from Coach Dobitz following last night's loss, 48-38. to As uh, Looking at the Class A standings now, Lisbon at 4-0 in the region. Oaks and Thompson, 3-1. Thompson and Lisbon, they play next week. So that's next up for the Broncos as they will take on uh, Thompson, who is 4-1 overall, 3-1 in Region 1. Northern Cass, uh, Sargent County, and Hatton Norwood, uh, Northwood, all three at 2-2. Two and Ellendale, Edgley, Cullum, and Oak Grove, 0-4 in Region 1. Let's go to Region 2, Carrington. They were taking on Botno last night. They hit the road and went up to Botno and came away with their second victory of the season, second in a row, as a matter of fact, as they defeated the Braves by a final of 42-8. to Afterwards, Coach Kyle Smith chatted with Greg Grenz. And right now, we're glad to be joined by... Head coach Kyle Smith of the Carrington Cardinals. And coach, uh, thanks for joining us here on a post-game report. We, we appreciate it. And nice win, nice region win here tonight in Bodno, right, for the Cardinals? It really was. And, I, you know, it, it's nice to see progress every week. You know, this is a completely different team than we saw week one and two. And, and it's nice to uh, come out and dominate on the line of scrimmage. Uh, it makes it pretty easy to call plays when you can push teams around. And our kids did a great job up front tonight. And, and running backs ran hard and... and uh, um, really proud of how they played. Yeah, you know, right away in that first half, five offensive series and five touchdowns for the Cardinals. So Yeah, and we talked about that before the game. I said, you know, when we get the ball, we got to expect to drive down and score every time we get the ball. And, and the kids took it to heart, and, and they played hard. And and, uh, and it was nice to play, you know, with the exception of the first series in the third quarter. I thought we played well for four quarters tonight. Um, running game. Running game is... Uh, you know, it's like you said, it's it's kind of a different team here. You're taking it to the ground quite a bit. Yeah, and um, you know, we've had a little trouble with the passing game, and, and tonight that started to come around a little bit. And I think as the kids get more confident in in uh, catching the ball and and running routes, and and, and that's going to improve each week. But uh, the running game has really come around, and you know, we got to hang our hat on that. And in North Dakota, you have to be able to run the ball because you're not you don't know what kind of weather you're going to have, and so. I'm, I'm not too concerned about the passing game right now, but uh, uh, if we can keep our running game progressing like that, um, I think uh, next week will be a, a big game, and I think we can give rugby uh, all they can handle. Let's talk about uh, that running game. Michael Clifton in the backfield, the running back. I had him down 16 carries, 126 yards. He had 25 carries, I think, on Monday. And, yeah, so he's uh, he's the workhorse for the Cardinals. Michael is a workhorse. <laughs> and, you know, and he Michael's one of those kids who goes 110 miles an hour every play. And, and both him and Ethan in the backfield, and they're, they're just a great duo to have back there. They both run hard. They both break tackles. And, and they both wear defenses down. You could see that after the first couple series. The defense was tired because they're dragging big, tough running backs around. And, and uh, that really opens up the rest of our, our playbook. And Bo Retzloff caught a pass tonight, and Nelson, you know, he's looking pretty uh, comfortable in the pocket and, and uh, on the pass or ground game too. So yeah, and you know, and Seth, uh, he, uh, he's lost some confidence just because we haven't completed many passes, and so it was nice for him to to, to throw some nice passes tonight and for our receivers to catch him, and uh, um, so hopefully that part of our game is is uh, coming along as well. And um, but Seth is just such a, a good athlete, you know, he can hurt you with his legs and with his arm, and so he's an awfully nice weapon to have back there. Okay, let's talk one week from tonight. 
How big is that game in Carrington next week, Friday night against the Panthers? It's a, it's a big game. You know, every game right now is the biggest game of the year for us. And we told the kids against West Hope, hey, this is, this is your playoff game tonight. And we told the kids that tonight, and we'll tell them that again next Friday because we are really, you know, a loss or two away from not being able in the playoffs. And, and uh, so that, that is really playoff game three for us. And, and rugby is a good team. They're very athletic. They have some speed. And so we're going to have to figure out a way to, to stop their passing game. And, and we're going to have to figure out a way to move the ball against their defense. They, they really like to stack the box. So we're going to have to get creative and, and uh, hopefully find some ways to get some yards and get in the end zone against them. You know, it's hard to believe we're six games into the season already. And there's yeah. only nine total. <laughs> <laughs> it is, you know, and we talked about this before, but once once that first game comes around, the season just flies by, and I, I can't hardly believe it myself. But it's it's a fun time of year. It's fun to to be out there coaching the kids. It's fun to watch the scoreboards and see how everyone else is doing, and, and it's an exciting time of the year, and especially when you're still in the playoff hunt. All right, we'll let you go. Long long trip back home tonight. So <laughs> Thanks for having me, Greg. Yeah, you bet. Thanks. That's uh, Coach Kyle Smith joining us. That is Greg Renz and Kyle Smith from Carrington. Look at those Region 2 Class A standings. Langdon, Edmore, uh, Munich, top at 4-0. They are 6-0, number one in the state. Harvey Wells County at 3-1, then Rugby and Carrington, that matchup next week. They are both at 2-2, as are West Hope, Newburgh, Glenburn, Grafton, and then Park River area at 1-3, and, and Botno at 0-4 after last night's loss. Let's look at Class A here on today's Super Sports Saturday. And that's a look at our at the football side of things on Super Sports Saturday. We're ending uh, we're up going up till noon today. Uh, new Super Sports Saturday will be going an hour long. We'll be done at noon today. Coming up though on Super Sports Saturday, we still are going to have uh, conversations with uh, Nicole Schmidt, volleyball player for the Oaks Tornadoes. That'll be coming up here on Super Sports Saturday. Also we'll be talking cross country and a new show, a new feature on Super Sports Saturday. Nick Simonson, a lot of folks may recognize that name as uh, he is, I believe, Valley City uh, native. Well, he's going to be giving us an outdoors show each and every week, and we'll have that coming up here in our final segment of Super Sports Saturday. We'll step aside. We'll be back with uh, more Super Sports Saturday live from Shelley Lake Field in Valley City at Valley City State University. It's homecoming here for the Valley City State University Vikings. We'll be back with more Super Sports Saturday right after this. Hey, Viking fans, it's homecoming week, and the American Legion in Valley City is your homecoming headquarters. The American Legion with the world's greatest happy hour and outstanding service. You're guaranteed to have a blast this homecoming week. Welcome former and current Vikings. Stop into the American Legion in Valley City for an ice-cold refreshment or the good stuff to get your blood pumping with Viking pride. The American Legion in Valley City, your Viking homecoming headquarters. Hey listeners, this is Casey Glant with Go Promo, the region's number one promotional vendor for your school. If your school, team, or fans need custom apparel with embroidery and screen printing services and you need them on time, just Go Promo. Need an easy way for everyone to place their order? Just Go Promo. Go Promo creates custom online stores just for your school or team and kicks back 10% of sales to you as a fundraiser. Visit justgopromo.com or call 877-99-PROMO to learn more. Go Promo. Consider it branded. Come home to Oaks Family Pharmacy, where they treat you like family. With great knowledge and customer service, the staff is committed to making your prescription, health, and gift needs as simple as possible. Shingrix and flu vaccines are available. Walk-ins are welcome. This month, Flonay Sensimist is on sale for your seasonal allergies. And check out their new therapeutic compression socks, new Zoom cleaning products, and all your orange and black supplies for homecoming. 
Visit Oaks Family Pharmacy and experience the quality difference in your care today. Well, McDonald back with you here on Supersport Saturday, going up till the top of the hour and 12 noon. And again, uh, that is uh, new Supersport Saturday. We'll be going an hour now on Saturdays from 11 to 12 o'clock. Well, now we're going to talk about volleyball in specific Oaks volleyball and even more specific Nicole Schmitz. Uh, she's in her senior season with the Tornadoes and Ace Arwine earlier this week caught up with uh, one of the leaders on the Tornadoes volleyball team that's still looking at an undefeated season. Hi, Nicole. How are you today? Pretty good. How about yourself? Good, good. So uh, first off, great costume. I know it's meme day when we're recording this, and it'll be played back tonight. And you're Kim Kardashian, and I understand people haven't been understanding no, that you're Kim Kardashian. It's not that hard, okay? She just has a big <laughs> butt. She has black hair. That's all I bought. So if you see me, just know I'm not that weird. I am dressed up as someone else. You even got a nice tag yeah, on Yeah, had to get a name tag. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. All right, so first off, so senior year, has it has it set in yet that it's kind of your last year playing with some of your best friends? Yeah, it's started to set in, well, this year. Volleyball, I don't know. It's really weird to think that, like, next year I won't be playing with any of them or coming back next summer when school hasn't started and start in, like, the school wearing the orange and Oaks Tornadoes jersey. But this year with homecoming and like we're all on the homecoming court and just we're running homecoming, it's kind of starting to hit now that we're running the show and that it'll be the last homecoming we go to here at OHS. So and you, you don't have to get into details about, you know, which schools you're looking at after high school, but how's that process been for you? You know, do you see it as a, a distraction or how are you balancing it? Yeah, no, I don't see it really as a distraction. Um, I'm definitely focusing more on finishing out my high school sports career and focusing on that but it's also another thing I've been looking into and I hope to make a decision sometime in the close near future before 2020 comes around yeah absolutely so volleyball season obviously right now and uh you know I, I've, I've at least understood you told me before that some schools are offering you know either basketball or volleyball for you growing up did you favor volleyball more or basketball? Growing up, I just favored basketball more because with all the three-on-threes you do when you're in third, fourth, fifth grade, and then we came into like sixth grade and the seventh grade years, and we had our Fuchsia 5-on-5 basketball team, and we had great experiences with winning one of the state pace setter tournaments and going to play in the Target Center and just like oh, cool. you dream of like having that when you get older. So yeah, it was more basketball when I was growing up as a kid. Do you think you are better at basketball or volleyball? Uh, I don't know. I'd probably say volleyball yeah. just from my opinion, but I've heard both both sure. ways. Sure. All right. How about uh, favorite memories either? I guess you could go volleyball or basketball, like growing up or even in high school. doesn't matter. Do you have any that stick out right away? Well, there's, I don't really know. It's just all the times, like, it's not, me- 
There's one, and I know if Lakin's listening, but I hit her in the face really hard one day. Yeah, that just happened uh, like yeah. a couple weeks ago or something and like that. It was like <laughs> that's your favorite memory. <laughs> I looked at her and she just started laughing and smiling, and there was blood in her yeah. teeth. And everybody was just kind of like, "Oh my!" It's not like one of my favorite memories, but it's just one funny that sticks out because she was laughing, but it looked like she was crying. So yeah. you get hit in the face with a ball, like you don't want to cry, but it just happens. Yeah, like, you can't stop it. But just like seeing the blood in her teeth, and like I felt terrible, but. Yeah, none really. So not 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 really a favorite memory, but, but one that sticks out. A favorite memory also <laughs> is beating Langdon in the semifinals of mm. volleyball, like because we were the four seed and it was the one, so it was a big upset, and that yeah. was just a good hump for us to get over as a team. Absolutely. How about any uh, this year for volleyball specifically? Any goals? They can be personal goals or they can be team goals. What do you have? Team goals. I think it would be to win our district and region. Just get through that because we have one of the toughest regions in the state. And then personal goals, I think just kind of focusing on what the near future holds for me, like deciding on where that is going to be. Mm-hmm. And then I was going to ask, I don't, I don't really know if, do you have a favorite volleyball player? I don't know if anyone really does since there's not really a big time pro volleyball league. Yeah, there's not really pro, but yeah. I do watch a lot of college and I'd say that um, Dana Renke from Wisconsin, okay. she's, oh, good she's, pick. she's 6'7", and it's just how dominant she is yeah. and like she plays with the women's national team and then she also goes and plays college too so she's playing with the pro athletes and college so it just shows like how hard work really will pay off have you been following college volleyball this year is wisconsin as good as they have been for the last there, this season has been very weird with mm. all the upsets going on where like a good team will beat another good team but then they'll lose to a really bad Mm. team and it's just like a ton of upsets back and forth that nobody expected Hmm. so it'll be i feel like it'll be a fun volleyball season cool how about favorite basketball player do you have one that jumps out at you right away well i mean i'm a kyrie irving fan for nba sure sure watch WNBA. but yeah yeah okay why kyrie because he's kyrie irving (laughs) he has good shoes all right fair (laughs) enough i i can't argue that (laughs) That is Asar Wine with Nicole Schmitz, one of the Oaks Tornadoes volleyball players. Great interview there. Uh, you can see a little bit of a sense of humor with uh, Nicole as well. And and uh, for those of you on KDDR, that's going to be a regular segment too with the player profile that Ace will have here throughout the sports season. We have just uh, about 20 minutes left to go here on Super Sports Saturday. And uh, up next, so we had a chance. To, I had a chance to talk with uh, Daniel Sheff. Now, Daniel Sheff is the head cross country coach with the Valley City State University Vikings, and uh, having a squad is one of the largest, at least on the women's side, in school history. And I had a chance to talk with Coach Chef about the Viking uh, cross-country season. We're talking uh, cross-country right now, Valley City State University cross-country in particular. We're talking with Coach uh, Daniel Chef from the uh, Vikings. And Coach, a um, couple of meets so far, the Hard Rock at Rapid City, and then at St. Olaf uh, Overall, in these first two meets, how have things gone for the Vikings? I mean, it's just been a lot of just kind of early season stuff, so kind of training through them, kind of looking towards the end of the season. I mean, in college, I mean, cross country is only one meet that really means anything. It's conference because that's the one where you can qualify for nationals individually and as a team. So the other meets are just kind of getting the team ready so you can try to be at your highest level when it comes to the championship meet. Who are some of the runners that uh, have been performing so far for the Vikings? I mean, on the guy's side, it'd be uh, Jaden Whaling. He's a, he's a sophomore in school, but he's technically a freshman. Uh, so he's a first year here. And then there's also Giovanni, uh, uh, who's from 
California. Uh, he's a freshman also, and then we also had uh, Xander too, uh, who's a freshman. So we're pretty young on the, the guy's side, all but basically one are freshmen. And on the gal side, we're pretty young too. I mean, uh, Kirby Racky from Waterford, Wisconsin is our number one runner right now. And then also, I mean, we got senior Alyssa, um, who's also very busy too with athletic training, uh, being a senior. So she's not able to do all the meets, but she's getting ready for the big one in the season. And then also Angeline Gannon kind of rounding out the top three. We mentioned youth. How about numbers? Do you, do you like the numbers that you have? I mean, the gal side are 11 gals, which I believe is the biggest team in school history, to my knowledge. And guys were a little smaller. I mean, we're at basically eight this year. So ideal side would be try to get it right around at least the 16 size because then you have more depth if people get sick or, or injuries and just more competition fighting to be in the top seven too, which makes a big difference. Overall, have you been pleased though with the way that they're performing, uh, all things considered? Yep. I mean, I've been really happy. I mean, they've been really working hard and I mean, I mean, all the times might not be where we want. I mean, it's the training part and just being a young team trying to learn how to race. I mean, guys going from a three-mile race in high school to a five, eight-mile race, I mean, a five-mile race in college is a totally different game. So in them and gals, I mean, nature from a high school to a college race is it's the same distance, but just the competition is totally different level because, I mean, even good high school runners, when they come in in college, oftentimes are just average just because that's how good everybody is at the next level. Well, now next up, I believe uh, we go. you go to Jamestown here next weekend. Yep, correct, next Friday. So it'll be a really nice course. I mean, a lot of the local people have ran on it, and it's also a very fast course and kind of gets us ready for our first true, true big meet, which would be three three weeks from next Friday down in Iowa, kind of site of where the 2020 National Championship will be, and it's also kind of a lot of, be about 300 runners, so it'll be a pretty big NEIA meet to kind of see where we're at and get us ready for the conference meet two weeks after that, so... Now, was the conference meet at Forest City, Iowa, and Waldorf, I believe? Yep, correct, so, yeah. Okay, what kind of uh, course the, the, do you know of, what kind of course they're going to have, and is it a course, maybe a type course you've seen or not? I mean, I honestly, they haven't really shared what type of course. I mean, when I picture Iowa, it's flat, so, I mean, I could be wrong, but, I mean, I mean, from the, for my knowledge, that's what I'm picturing, but we probably won't get more than a campus uh, I mean a course map and then find out when we get down there uh, that Thursday the day before and kind of do the run and check out things so final question for you Daniel when you look at uh, your types of runners again you got youth and and you look for the future what kind of runners you have you got ones that are better on hills the hilly courses flatter courses or does it depend on the individual what kind of runners do you have I mean, it's probably a little bit of a mix. I mean, a lot of the runners that we have now are development people. I mean, we don't really have anybody that was like elite, elite high school runner. So a lot of them are great, very hard workers and just need to have some patience and time to develop them. And those are the type I like just because, I mean, they have so much desire just wanting to get better, knowing that they weren't a superstar in high school and but they want to try to get to that level so they kind of have the work ethic to kind of work hard and try to be there someday at the college level and a lot of times those are the people that really end up doing a lot of special things just because they're motivated to get there and do something that's never been done before and of course runners you have to be a motivated person to love to run it's really a different mindset isn't it yep i mean running isn't like 
football or basketball, I mean, I mean, running's still a team sport, but a lot of it comes down to the individual got to put in that work, and you got to have a lot of patience. I mean, to be a good runner, it takes time. I mean, a lot of miles, a lot of cross-training minutes, a lot of stretch and roll, out, ice bath, and strength training, you name it. I mean, being a good college runner, it's two to two and a half hours of daily commitment of training day after day and year after year to try to get to those high high levels. All right, well, Coach, I appreciate the time, and uh, good luck here next week at, in Jamestown. Thank you. That is Coach uh, Daniel Sheff. He is the head cross-country coach for Valley City State University on today's uh, Super Sports Saturday, our final segment here on Super Sports Saturday, and a new segment that we're going to have now with Nick Simonson, and we're going to be talking about the outdoors with Nick. He'll have a, a show for us in the segment each and every week, talking about the great outdoors, whether it be hunting or fishing or whatever the case may be this week. And let's talk with Nick Simonson in our final segment on the great outdoors. Welcome, everyone, to Our Outdoors, adding a little hunting and fishing flavor to your Super Sports Saturday. I'm your host, Nick Simonson. Pleased to be with you here on the initial installment, uh, extending 17, 18 years of writing into the audio world, uh, giving you updates and uh, tips on how to succeed in the outdoors, and more importantly, how to enjoy all of the great opportunities we have in the state of North Dakota and the surrounding area. Now, if you know me, uh, I love all types types of fishing. I love uh, trout fishing, walleye fishing, bass fishing, panfish, fly rod, ice fishing, whatever it might be. So there's always opportunities in our outdoors to get on these various species. Game and Fish does a good job, and obviously if you look to the east, the Minnesota DNR uh, keeps lakes well stocked for visiting anglers. So there's a lot of opportunities, you know, within half a tank of gas for you to get on fish. And this time of year here in the fall, as we kick this program off, there are still great opportunities to mix in with your hunting to get on those fast fish, to get on those that are biting. And one of the big ones right now is stocked trout. Now, there are a lot of lakes that the Game and Fish stocks in North Dakota with rainbow trout, cutthroat trout, or brown trout, and these provide a unique fishery. But when they provide the most unique fishery is in those deeper lakes that are stocked in spring and you come around to fall. And you get an opportunity to get on those fish you know, in lakes that are 35, 40, 45 feet deep, lakes like Fish Creek Dam, uh, Moon Lake, Lightning Lake, those deeper lakes that can support fish over the hot summer months. And additionally, we didn't have a very warm summer, so there is a good chance that a lot of these stocked fish not only survived, but have gotten very big and are not very stressed out from the last season. And now is the time to catch those bigger trout. So if you have an opportunity nearby, Target them aggressively. This is the time for small spoons, spinners, crankbaits like the Rebel Wee Craw, taking advantage of their feeding instinct. Because when that water cools, these cold water fish, like your rainbow trout and your brown trout, come back up shallow to feed this time of year. Now you want to get in on that action, and like I said, work those spoons aggressively, jig them, pause them. Uh, you know, you can adjust the speed as needed when those fish are feeding. If they're keying in on more of a medium retrieve, you know, slow things down a little bit. But these deeper lakes, you know, open up to the fish, the shallow area where you'll find, you know, young of the year bait fish, uh, insects, crayfish, whatever it is they're feeding on, they're typically running up near the shore. But if they're not up around shore, go ahead, back your boat out and fish shallow, but over that deeper water. I'm talking zero to five feet in the water column over those 30 or 40 foot depths you will find a lot of trout suspended up high now that the water in that top strata has cooled down quite a bit. 
It's fairly inexpensive. It's a lot of fun. It's a great thing to get um, new anglers involved with. It's simply casting a spoon or, or jigging a spoon back. You could even throw jigs and twisters. You can retrieve, like I said, a small crankbait, and that is going to set these fish off. So trout fishing is a great opportunity in fall. Uh, several dozen lakes are stocked, and a lot of them are deep enough to continue that excitement here in the autumn. So take advantage of those opportunities if they are nearby and enjoy a cast and blast combination. I hope you'll take advantage of it, that you'll explore, explore this niche in our outdoors, and you will have a very great time coloring up uh, your fall memories with a chance at trout. Coming up next, we'll be talking with Mike Szymanski of the North Dakota Game and Fish Department. He is the Migratory Game Bird Management Supervisor, and he will give us some insight on how the resident opener went last weekend and what we're looking forward to this weekend as the general opener kicks off. We'll get to that right after this break. Welcome back, everyone, to the Our Outdoors program. We are here with Mike Szymanski. He is the Migratory Game Bird Management Supervisor with the North Dakota Game and Fish Department. And with the general opener this weekend, a lot of non-residents will be coming in, and I think a lot of residents will get a first chance out there. And, hey, we might have some rain, Mike, but that isn't anything new this season, is it? No, no, rain's kind of been the story this fall, even going back a few weeks. It's it's had a lot of effects on the landscape, uh, both with... Uh, producers getting out and getting their crops harvested, but also uh, affecting roads and, and also wetland conditions. Certainly. So let's rewind a little bit further. Uh, let's talk about how spring and summer have set up this fall's waterfall hunting season. Yeah, it was kind of a unusual year, I guess, uh, just in how wet it was, both for North and South Dakota. Uh, South Dakota was uh, hard to imagine, but they were quite a bit wetter than we were even. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we came into spring uh, breeding uh, when we were starting to attract breeding pairs to North Dakota in pretty good shape. It's one of those interesting years where our overall wetland index got classified as average. It was actually dead on to the long-term 72-year average. But uh, like most people saw across the landscape, our, our conditions were kind of either a have or have not status where the north central part of the state was pretty dry, but uh, the southern uh, half of the state was actually quite wet and really good for uh, attracting breeding pairs. And uh, as summer rolled on, we, we continued to get rain and in many of these places, conditions actually improved. So uh, we had very strong production out of most of the state with, with maybe the exception of the north central part. Uh, very good production in the northwest part of the state, northeast part of the state as well. And uh, ducks had a lot of opportunities this year to uh, make nesting attempts with the continued rainfall, uh, very lush uh, upland cover for nesting. Uh, birds birds really stayed on it for a long time this year, and we had a very protracted uh, nesting effort. So uh, we, as a result, produced a lot of ducks in a lot of areas of the state. And, Mike, let's explore that tangent quickly. What is the importance of the upland cover surrounding those prairie potholes? Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that uh, most ducks nesting in the prairie are actually uh, nesting in the in the grass uplands, and uh, they require good perennial cover to do that. Uh, so it needs to be uh, thick enough that they can hide their nests that are on the ground from, from predators like raccoons, skunks, or foxes. 
And coming out of that drought from 2017, uh, like you said, you're, you're seeing a lot more lush cover. How has that and the breeding season uh, set the stage currently? Uh, what were our resident hunters finding in terms of resident populations early on? Well, I think it was it was kind of all across the board. I, one of the things that was really driving hunter success and participation this last weekend, I think, was uh, from the way it sounds, a lot of the conditions we saw with the weather, um, some parts of the state got rain uh, either the night before or during opening morning, and uh, that kind of chased some people or kept some people out of the field uh, right away to start with. Um, and then in other conditions, some parts of the state, it made uh, roads undrivable and too wet to go out in the fields to field hunt. So that, that kind of hurt prospects for hunters a little bit. Other parts of the state that were a little bit drier, particularly in the northeast part of the state, where they had good production this spring, but then dried up a little bit over summer, um, I, I think success was pretty good. It sounded like folks were doing really well up there. And, you know, even in the wetter parts of the state, there were folks that did pretty well uh, also. Uh, we're talking with Mike Szymanski, Migratory Game Bird Management Supervisor for the North Dakota Game and Fish Department. As we look towards this general opener now and our brothers and sisters in arms, obviously from Minnesota, Wisconsin, points east, and making their way to North Dakota, uh, what can our non-resident hunters expect? Well, I think uh, maybe a little bit of a delayed harvest uh, compared to other years for crop fields. We've got some soybeans coming off, but there are still some small grains and even canola standing. Uh, the biggest thing that folks are going to watch out for are the wet conditions and really, really making sure that they stay out of low spots and fields uh, and probably just planning on just walking their stuff out in many cases. There are uh, some parts of the state that have more uh, closed roads, but by and large, uh, we should have a pretty good opener here. We've got good conditions yet and lots of ducks around and lots of Canada geese. How does public land factor into not only visiting hunters but also resident hunters who are out there for waterfall? Yeah, it's a it's a really integral part to the you know hunting access portfolio in North Dakota. We got to have uh, you know areas that have this sort of wide array of both state-run lands, federal-run lands, and then also uh, private lands and walk-in programs to sort of um, I guess stitch it all together because there's not. Not all private land is accessible. Not all landowners are willing to let people hunt. Most are pretty good about it, but you got to kind of have that stuff spread throughout the landscape so that there's opportunities for folks to pursue game in North Dakota. And it's really important to, you know, have those uh, around to attract people in the communities. You bet. Well, thank you, Mike. We do appreciate the insight uh, and the work, obviously, that you and agents of the Game and Fish put in uh, to lead up to successful seasons like that. Thanks for taking the time to talk with us today and to share your insight on the upcoming waterfowl season. All right. Thanks, Nick. And that wraps up our initial installment of the Our Outdoors program. Hey, whether it's trout, waterfowl, walleyes, or upland game, I hope to see you in Our Outdoors. Thanks very much, Nick. Nick Simonson, and that'll be our another uh, installment of Our Doors, and you can hear Our Outdoors on Super Sports Saturday each and every week. Nick now will be a part of the uh, program with that final segment talking about the great outdoors. Well, coming up here on our stations, on, of course, uh, on Oaks and Carrington, Oaks Bison by week. Oaks and Carrington, you folks have a Twins baseball league coming up here at 1230 with the pregame. 115 first pitch. Again, that game moved up to this afternoon.
because of severe weather that is going to be coming into Kansas City tonight. So the Twins game got moved up to this afternoon, 1:15 first pitch with the 12:30 pregame show on ESPN Jamestown. The Jimmies they are taking on the Red Raiders of Northwestern in Orange City, uh, and that is a one o'clock pregame, 1:30 kickoff. And for those of you here on KOVC uh, Viking fans, we will have Valley City State and Dakota State from Shelley League Field homecoming 2019. Pre-game is at 1.30, and the kickoff coming up this afternoon here at 2 o'clock. That's going to do it for this week's Super Sports Saturday. Have yourself a great Saturday, the final Saturday in September as fall is upon us. Enjoy it, and we will talk to you next week on another edition of Super Sports Saturday.